Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 4th. In today's news, Hurricane Isaias begins its sweep up the eastern seaboard. Chad Wolf emerges as President Trump's favorite DHS secretary. And Trump says he wants the U.S. government to get a cut from any sale of TikTok. But first, the big idea. Deborah Burks was supposed to have this past weekend off. She was at her vacation house in Delaware when White House officials called and pushed her to appear on the Sunday shows. Ironically, her appearance on CNN's State of the Union then prompted the president to call her, quote, pathetic on Monday. Burks, the coordinator of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, quickly garnered Trump's favor earlier this year for publicly championing his response. But she soon lost support within swaths of the scientific and medical communities for seeming to minimize the virus and also to enable Trump's overly rosy view of the pandemic. This past weekend, Burks lost the backing of the nation's top Democrat, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who privately called her, quote, the worst, and publicly said she has no confidence in her. Then on Monday morning, Burks appeared to lose ground with perhaps her most important constituency. Trump was angry that Burks gave a grim assessment of the situation during her CNN appearance. In that interview, she also did not rule out the possibility that the nation's coronavirus death toll could double by the end of the year to 300,000. And she seemed to suggest that, contrary to the president's stated desires, some schools should offer only distance learning this fall. The president replied with a tweet that said, quote, In order to counter Nancy, Deborah took the bait and hit us. Pathetic! Exclamation mark. Trump's criticism of Burks was another reminder that while he demands absolute loyalty, he rarely repays it in kind. With more than 4.6 million of our fellow Americans infected, more than 150,000 dead, and the economy in shambles, Burks finds herself increasingly isolated with few allies, even as she remains responsible for overseeing the nation's response to a cataclysmic crisis. Senior White House officials tell my colleagues Ashley Parker, Josh Dossi, and Yasmin Abu Talib that Trump has grown exhausted by all the dismal coronavirus news, and he just wants the issue to be behind him. And now he associates Burks with the failures. Administration officials say Burks has privately argued against Trump's push for the reopening of all schools, citing studies that show there could be outbreaks and problems. In recent weeks, her time in the Oval Office has dropped, and she is not always part of the meetings where decisions actually get made. Those are led by Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. In a news conference on Monday evening, Trump said he has a lot of respect for Burks. A senior aide said the president had a positive meeting with her in the late afternoon. Within the administration, several current and former senior officials described Burks as a politically shrewd power player, who keeps close tabs on developments in the president's orbit. But some of these same officials also note that Burks has made enemies within the White House in part because a growing number of aides believe that she takes different positions with different people, depending on what they want to hear, and because of sharp attacks on some colleagues who she thinks just don't get it. Her allies, meanwhile, argue that Burks, who served as a physician for decades in the Army, respects the chain of command, and is more of a team player than Tony Fauci. One White House official argued that Burks is in a difficult situation generally, 
and also probably the recipient of sexism. This person noted that Burks, who sends around a morning email complete with slides outlining her latest models, provides most of the data upon which the rest of the largely male team relies. Now, looking more substantively at the government's response to the pandemic, with only six months until the U.S.'s target date for approving a vaccine, the Trump administration has shared limited and often confusing information about its plans for distribution, making it difficult for overwhelmed state and local officials, including those who run immunization programs, to prepare. Lena Sun reports that distributing a vaccine to tens of millions of Americans may be in some ways as daunting as creating it. One state official who has been involved in planning efforts tells Lena that this is a slow motion train wreck. Trump said last night at his press conference that we're on pace to have a vaccine available this year, maybe far in advance of the end of the year. But the head of the World Health Organization warned separately yesterday that there is no silver bullet at the moment and there may never be. The latest numbers show the contagion surging in several Midwestern states. Missouri, Montana, and Oklahoma are among those witnessing the largest percentage increases of infections over the past week. While adjusted for population, the number of new cases in Florida, Mississippi, and Alabama still outpaced all other states. Experts are also starting to see worrying trends emerging in major East Coast and Midwest cities, and they anticipate major outbreaks in college towns as classes resume later this month. Seven players and six staffers for the St. Louis Cardinals have tested positive over the past week. This has prompted Major League Baseball to postpone four more games and extend the team's shutdown until at least Friday. The head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles announced that he's running the team from home now while in quarantine after testing positive. And coronavirus cases in the Bahamas have surged after international visitors were allowed back in. The prime minister announced yesterday a new lockdown after largely stamping out the virus, nearly 680 cases were reported there on Monday alone. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this Tuesday. Number one, after veering away from making a direct hit in Florida, Hurricane Isaias strengthened and made landfall near the border of North and South Carolina on Monday night which will be followed by a dangerous trip up the rest of the eastern seaboard all the way to Maine through the middle of the week. The storm lashed the shores between Charleston, South Carolina, and Moorhead City, North Carolina, where it caused widespread power outages, coastal inundation of three to five feet in some areas, and heavy rains that could reach up to eight inches. The storm, which had been a tropical storm throughout its near-miss with Florida, regained hurricane status its maximum sustained winds increasing to 85 miles per hour. In Myrtle Beach, a historically large storm surge flooded roads and businesses. Several tornadoes were reported in southeast North Carolina. The storm will next sweep into the mid-Atlantic region today, likely as a tropical storm. The storm will then go farther up into the northeast with heavy rain, strong winds, and coastal flooding up into New York and beyond. Number two. Chad Wolf's journey from mid-level lobbyist to Department of Homeland Security staffer to the face of the president's police crackdown on protesters has taken a roundabout path that says as much about the trajectory of the Department of Homeland Security under Trump as it does about the man now running the department. After three and a half years, the president is finally happy with a DHS chief. Several White House aides tell Nick Miroff and Josh Dossie, 
And while Wolf's predecessor sometimes pushed back on Trump's attempts to break rules and bend norms to fit his desired policies, Trump now has a DHS chief giving him the answers that he wants. In other words, a yes man. The department has not had a Senate-confirmed secretary since April of 2019, when Trump ousted Kirsten Nielsen. And when Wolf took over as the acting chief last November, he wasn't Trump's first choice, and he was viewed at the time as an option of last resort, more of a caretaker than a cabinet secretary. But during the past several weeks, amid his standoff with protesters in Portland, Wolf has won the president's favor, wielding the considerable might of the DHS and sending its agents to face off against demonstrators targeting a federal courthouse. The use of the DHS as an instrument of the president's agenda, first at the Mexican border and now in American cities, has alarmed many who have come to see the department as the enforcement arm of Trump's Make America Great Again plans, and Wolf as his enabler. Trump called Wolf frequently during the Portland standoff, sometimes early in the morning, when action on the streets was still playing out on the West Coast. Wolf also regularly talks to Stephen Miller, the top Trump aide who controls White House immigration policy. Once hesitant, Wolf now looks for opportunities to do conservative media hits, especially Fox News. His rhetoric has become more bellicose, in contrast to his predecessors, because insiders say that he thinks amplifying the White House's message is key to his survival. Wolf's colleagues say he believes without reservation that his use of federal agents to protect that courthouse was justified, and he grew only more determined after DHS personnel were injured in the clashes. Number three. Trump suggested on Monday that the U.S. Treasury should collect a portion of the potential sale of the social media company TikTok, although it was unclear under what authority the White House could demand such a payment. Speaking to reporters at the White House, Trump reiterated that he wants TikTok to be forced to cease operations in the United States by around September 15th if it is not sold to Microsoft or another U.S.-based company. If that sale goes through, the president said part of the proceeds should be paid to U.S. taxpayers as compensation for operating in America. At a White House media briefing later, Trump said the United States, quote, should get a very large percentage. The comments come as the president seeks to amplify pressure on TikTok. On Friday, Trump said he plans to ban the Chinese-owned company from operating in the U.S. over national security concerns. Peter Navarro, Trump's senior economic advisor, told Fox News on Monday that he isn't sure it's prudent at all even to allow Microsoft to make the deal. Microsoft confirmed in a blog post that it's pursuing the acquisition of the U.S. division of TikTok after its CEO spoke with Trump on Sunday. Banning TikTok in the U.S., similar to what's already happened in India, would spark an uproar among its young American fans, who've already been posting videos for weeks now urging the government to keep the app online and offering tips on how to access it even if it does get blocked by the government. TikTok says it has 100 million U.S. users, and the app has been downloaded 2 billion times around the world. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 4th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Homan. Stay safe. I'll talk to you tomorrow.